Are you advocating for the emotional health and finding ways to combat your tendency to experience burnout? Find out how our guest brings a positive spin on the issue and the ways physicians can combat it. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and we are going to discuss a pretty challenging aspect of a physician's life, and it has everything to do with burnout. Working long hours, the emotional drain of being empathetic with every patient, obstacles in the system, and that massive student debt load all contribute to emotional breakdowns. This week, and honestly, hopefully every week, is about gratitude as Thanksgiving's here. But for this next guest that I'm going to bring on, I'm truly grateful to have him on the show to address physician burnout. He's a very special person because to get a bit personal here, he's saved a family member's life after a tragic accident. He was an absolutely incredible doctor who's literally impacted my family's life forever. This person is Dr. Jeff Smith, who's an orthopedic surgeon who created SurgeonMasters.com, a resource for physicians to facilitate wellness and burnout prevention in medicine. In this interview, he shares how finances and other external factors can heavily weigh on a physician's ability to get their job done well. And he discusses the positives and negative aspects of burnout and approaches the ways that physicians can really adjust their perspective. You're human and have limits. So to avoid taking actionable steps for your own health is such an opportunity missed. So let's not miss that opportunity and jump right into the interview. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. Really excited to have you here and to talk with you today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invitation and I look forward to our conversation. Of course. So let's just jump right in. And today we're going to be talking about physicians and burnout and some of the ways that they can combat that. So what are some of the signs that a physician may be experiencing burnout? Well, the overall definition of burnout is emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and a decreased sense of personal accomplishment. And that's based upon Maslach's definition and the Maslach burnout inventory, which is often what people use. So you get a little bit of a sense of it from the emotional exhaustion or is that a lot of times we have to be very empathic with patients and sense that we show compassion. Again, each of those words has kind of different meaning and emphasis, but the overall sense that you have a harder time getting to the level of caring about each and individual patient. It starts to become just a job. And most people that go into medicine don't go into it for it to be a job. So when you notice that you're caring less or in a sense, you have to balance the process of the emotions that patients are having, extreme sorrow, anger, et cetera. And so we appreciate that and we need to tune it out to a degree. But if you tune it out entirely, again, it makes you not feel like a human being because human beings are supposed to feel that. And so that, that would be one big example. The depersonalization is that sense that you no longer look at people as a patient, you look at them at purely their diagnosis. And all this, again, can be in extremes. And then that deep sense of personal accomplishment 
it varies on individuals. Actually, a fair number of physicians, that's a very late sign or symptom of burnout because mm-hmm. we all like to have a sense that we're doing something of purpose. But it's, it's a little bit more of an intangible sense of accomplishment. You maybe feel externally to the world that you're succeeding, you're a successful physician, but internally there's a sense that there's not an achievement there because you're kind of doing the same thing day in and day out. And while you have can have some amazing saves or great patient care, there's also patients that we take care of that it's much harder to get them well despite our best efforts. And so we see that on a daily basis and therefore that isn't really our measure of personal accomplishment. And when you lose that sense of what really is personal accomplishment, there's kind of an example of a sign or symptom of burnout. Are there main causes of burnout? I mean, there's, I can only imagine, I mean, so thankful that you and and everyone listening, like do what you guys do. There's absolutely no way that I am built to handle that. But you guys are dealing with like hurt and sick and scared and dying people, right? So you've got a lot of just the practice of clinical medicine is very tough. And then the job specific things, right? You're handling like your call rotations. I just, I chuckle a little bit there because I think of my wife and her call and everything that we've gone through or compensation, you know, the politics of the hospital. So I, I know that these factor in, but are there other main maybe causes of burnout um, that would add to that? The list is actually quite long and it's pretty much anything that has the ability to chip away at our purpose. And you listed several I would say currently in today's day and age, the electronic medical record is certainly probably the biggest driver of burnout currently. Mm-hmm. And there's several reasons for that. One is, is that interacting with a computer is different than interacting with a patient. So it actually takes us away from what we drive our greatest satisfaction from. And then the other is, two other key components are a lack of control that the We don't control the computer or the electronic medical record. It sometimes controls us or how it's delivered to us is is a mandate. This is what you must do, not what necessarily plays a role in the patient care. So loss of control. And the third one I think I was driving towards is just this little bit overwhelm of the time. There's certainly the knowledge that about an hour of patient direct care is usually balanced by an approximately two hours of administrative time to take care of that patient. And so that, I know that sounds crazy, but that's what the statistics are showing. And obviously that would be a huge driver to burnout. Uh, Absolutely. Do you think that physicians with certain character traits might be more prone to burnout? If, I guess, if you looked at character traits, like there's the perfectionist or the workaholic I feel like there's some character traits in there. Like, I don't know if this plays into that or not. There is. And I have some thoughts or feelings on it. But the way you were pointing it out, it actually reminds me of a colleague that uh, I have a great deal of respect for, Dr. Dyke Drummond, who's a burnout advocate and trying to help stop physician burnout. And he talks about the perfectionist, the lone ranger, which is that person who can kind of function and rescue everybody on their own, the superhero. And then I think there's a fourth personality type that I'm just blanking on right now that that he talks about those personality types in the workaholic, I think you said. 
I think mm. those were the four that he talks about. And they're, they're very much characteristics. I would probably say that I, at one point in time, could ascribe myself to every one of those uh, <laughs> personality traits. And not sure about the superhero, but you probably have a sense that some of the things that we're able to do in helping patients does give you a little bit of a sense of that, that it can be quite exhilarating. Wow, I actually did that, and that patient's now okay. That So certainly those things can get in your head. But each one of these personality traits are really more, it's more the cycle of going down that path on a repetitively somewhat negative way. So for example, perfectionism is really a negative trait. We strive to be better and better. We're told in our training, how can you get to perfect? But since that's not an achievable point, it's a never ending thing that eventually wears on the psyche that I think can lead to burnout. And each one of these things are examples where if they're in the opposite of a growth mindset, if they're more of a decline strategy, that I think is what leads to burnout versus any personality type, mm-hmm. no matter how you want to define them on the scale of good and bad, if it's headed in the direction of healthier and more sustainable is an anti-burnout strategy because you're headed in the right direction, which it's mainly your progress in these things that actually is one of the drivers to wellness. So it sounds like maybe some of these traits might, uh, let's put in a cheesy pun here, like add gasoline to the fire, but it doesn't necessarily, it isn't the cause of it. So a perfectionist could experience better or maybe not, but if the situation around them was deteriorating or just over time chipping away, like you said, it could make it a little bit worse. Yeah. And I really like the way you said that. That's, I, I think that's very true. I think the other thing that's really a key message that I, I want to bring this up fairly in early in our conversation is that a lot of the discussion is about whether burnout is a bad word mm-hmm. or has a negative connotation. And it does to a degree. The only reason I continue to use it is because it's research-based, it's survey-based, and you're really just making a measure of those questions and the response to those questions. It's not a negative thing. So I now have a much easier time having been working on this for quite some time that I can say on a regular basis that I experience burnout because I realize it's actually just my sense of am I in control? Am I making my own decisions? Am I headed in a direction that I enjoy? Or is this, am I going in a direction that something's getting worse? And and if you just take your expertise in the finances, if my finances are growing, I have a sense of wellness and growth, right? If I see my finances declining, then I'm headed in the wrong direction. It doesn't mean that I have total control over that. But if I do, the burnout is actually telling me, hey, you need to reassess. Are you properly doing this? Or are there adjustments you need to make? So truly, burnout is a positive thing because it actually is trying to signal to ourselves that we need to assess the situation and see proactively if we can make adjustments that don't continue in the wrong direction. That's fascinating to take something that right now, I mean, I think is capturing a a ton of attention and press time, if you will, you know, with the word burnout as being negative, 
I think it's fascinating that you've taken that and actually spend it to be a positive thing is a way to kind of write yourself in that. That's amazing. Right. And then you alluded a little bit, um, and I like the way you said it as far as cause and effect, right? So currently much of the language of burnout is that I, the individual burning out, am the cause of my burnout. And the reality is if I have no control over an electronic medical record, or if there's much of things that I'm doing as a physician that I don't have control over, then I'm certainly not the cause of my burnout. Mm -hmm. And so much of this to me is trying to eliminate the language that is shame and blame, that there's somebody has to be blamed for it. What I encourage physicians to do is to take control of what they can to drive themselves towards wellness and then continue to advocate that our systems are trying to do the same thing. Because certainly the data shows that at least when you're measuring burnout, that we as individuals or physicians only have about 20% control over whether we're experiencing burnout and the other 80% is the outside factors. In outside fact, someone we discussed, and I always think of the people, I, I forget the exact saying, but like people usually don't quit the job because they hate the job, they hate the people they work with, or and that's probably a horrible way of saying it, but it's kind of going back to the, like the politics of the hospital, the things that you can't control, or even the way that you're compensated. So you're saying like 80% of the quote unquote burnout is actually you're not in control over. Correct. That's amazing. And then it goes with that to provide medical care, we have to work in a hospital or some sort of healthcare setting. More and more of healthcare is being managed or directed either by the government or insurance. And anything driving those directions is going to pull us further out of control of that environment. And so unless those things are connecting with our values, and most physicians, their values are about providing quality care to the patient. If we think that that's what we're providing, then we're very unlikely to experience burnout. So if we're looking at this, one other thing I'd like to add in here is when you're talking about all the stuff you can't control, you've also got uh, obviously the 20% that you can, but we, we haven't really brought up the concept of finances and how that really plays into this. And we all know like you guys put so much aside to become physicians and especially i mean surgeons you guys are training what seems forever and then you're delaying i mean i i know people that have delayed having children or getting married to skirt around public service loan forgiveness i mean you've got all sorts of things coming up and then you know you finally become an attending and, and then all of a sudden lifestyle creep explodes like crazy and now you're on a treadmill financially not just in your day-to-day grind if you will that really i think accelerates or, or can potentially cause some huge problems in that. So maybe you can just talk a little bit on like how finances could necessarily play into this. Well, I think you're highlighting some of the key examples of it. I think that there are some people in the field that evaluate and assess burnout in physicians that feel that finances is another key contributor. If I looked at percentages, I don't think it's up there with the electronic Uh, medical record. But I think each one of these things are potential causes. And if multiple are existing, then the risk is higher. And so I do think that there are a number of physicians that 
and me included, who follow sort of a standard path and expectation that we think society has for us, that when we finally are making an income or a living, that therefore our house and car or circumstances ought to reflect that. And yet currently leaving medical school, the average debt exceeds $200,000 a year. So if that's the pattern that we're now supposed to demonstrate a higher income lifestyle carrying that kind of a debt, then that implies that you should be carrying that debt for a long time, which I think aggravates burnout because that burden's always hanging over you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think there's plenty that we could do that would address that much earlier in the career. I do think there's people that do that well, but I don't think they've done that from the training that they've experienced. I think it's by coincidence of either who they know or upbringing or their just own self-interest in finance. And since most physicians are just really, really well-trained in medicine, they're not necessarily really well-trained in finances. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, my wife is, I I say this multiple times and I swear she's not paying me to say this. She's significantly smarter than I am, but she never took a class in finance. And when we start talking some finance stuff, because naturally that's what happens when you marry a financial planner, like, sorry, but that is what it is, honey. You know, it comes up, but I'm educating her on these things. And I mean, she's brilliant. And it's just, it's not your guys' fault because it's just not trained. It's, you don't get it in college. You, you, I mean, you're pre-med and then you don't get it in med school. They definitely don't get it in residency. So where do you understand and get these things? And, you know, that knowledge to protect yourself and to, to understand what it is. And, you know, and then society puts a bunch of pressure on you. And then you guys all put, you know, and gals put pressure on each other with what's in the parking lot. What, you know, who's driving what, who has the Tesla, who has this and, you, know, you feel almost obligated to do some of these things or Facebook definitely. And this is not just with physicians, but Facebook makes everything look like rainbows and sunshine because no one posts the, Oh, I just had a fight with my spouse and here's how pissed he is or she is. I mean, it's, Hey, look at this really cool scene of where we traveled. And these, I think all kind of add to it. So it's, it's interesting that you phrased as 80% is out of your control. I didn't really realize that. And I'm wondering if maybe listeners did realize that if they're shaking their head like, duh, Ryan, 80% is quite high. You know, the other thing that you were highlighting is the, whether it's formal education or mentoring, Mm -hmm. right? And so if mentors are demonstrating, you know, a spending sort of lifestyle and not a saving or investing sort of lifestyle, then those are the examples that you're seeing and you're not necessarily seeing them over the long haul to show that, yeah, that's a risky lifestyle. You're just seeing them and thinking that, okay, this person is doing fine, that person's doing fine. And that's true with a lot of the other things that promote wellness or things that promote burnout is that there's a fair amount of disconnect, whether it's social media or in human nature, that we highlight our successes to others and not our failures or our challenges. Mm-hmm. And then that's what people see. And when they're experiencing failures or challenges, they feel out of the norm. And there's, a, I think, a human nature, especially with highly competitive people, that you do whatever you can to minimize 
or hide your failings and sometimes even do that to yourself. <laughs> and then again, I don't think there's anything per se wrong with that, except that then you're putting yourself at risk that you have to have some degree of reality check that keeps you guided in the right direction and continuing to maintain things over the long haul. If people appreciate the pros and cons of social media, then you're much more likely to be able to protect yourself from the negatives and balance out the positives. Whereas if you fall susceptible to that ever increasingly, then you only see everybody's life as these great vacations and, and wonderful and that yours is not, it's not very fun to watch that. Yeah, I was I was talking with a client earlier and we were talking about like his call schedule and work schedule and how every other holiday he has to work and it's cuz there's only, you know, nine people in his practice and basically they have six shifts a day and it's like there's just no way around it like he's going to have to do that and then to see, you know, friends that aren't in the medical field that uh, he grew up with whether it's high school or college and they have, you know, time with their families and don't have to work on Christmas and you know, I could see how that's tough. I brought up the perfectionist because sometimes when I think back and I, I look at it from a just a different lens, I say, you know, what what would go wrong if you took the 1% or 2% of the smartest people in the entire world? They're all physicians. You know, what could go wrong? They all want to be that they're overachievers. They're highly competitive. And so that's why I thought maybe some character trait played into that. But it's pretty much the whole profession because guys are all brilliant. You know, I appreciate the compliment. I mean, certainly think that all physicians had a challenge of getting into medical school and getting to the point where they're at, where a high degree of intelligence was necessary. But it, I also don't think it's so much an intelligence issue because everybody comes into medicine or healthcare with a different strength. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so whether it's intellectual intelligence or emotional intelligence or almost a physical intelligence, you know, someone who just has incredible dexterity. That spans from physician to nurse to everybody else in the hospital that's assisting and taking care of that patient. So one of the biggest challenges, I think, in this 80% is not a lack of intelligence on anyone's part. I think it's a overall just adding more complexity and that increasing complexity, even when you come up with a solution to try and do it better, that sometimes that solution is a computer or that solution is another question or checkbox. And I mean, you take the financial industry, for example, if you overcomplicate it with so many rules and regulations, you make it very hard to actually follow those rules. And it's a less efficient way to process money. And the same thing true in healthcare. If you make it incredibly complicated to take care of patients, then you make it a less efficient method of doing that. And there's rationale that is well-intended, whether it be safety or even an intent to be more efficient, but sometimes that intent backfires Mm -hmm. because of just adding more complexity to the situation. I'm a fan of simple. As you listen to the podcast, I've harped on, on on multiple fronts, mostly on finance, but simplicity is usually what I favor. If we could look at basically combating burnout, are there any tools that anyone could use, whether they're currently experiencing some of the things that you've said, or 
they're like, look, it's the odds are not in my favor, basically, to, to experience this at some point. Is there any tools that they you might have for them that or could help them with to understand what they're going through? Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll take it back even just a little bit one step and that just having an awareness nowadays that burnout is a big issue and a potential issue, just starting with that awareness and then having a little bit of a, the next step would be understanding what that is about. And I'm sharing my perspective and my examples of that, but really it's a, it's a self-understanding, you know, how might you be experiencing this and what are the implications to you? So that's the understanding part. And then to me, the next part is actually then implementing actions. And this is a little bit where you're driving to with the tools. There's really actually quite a bit out there. And to keep it simple, I'd say just find something that is not working well. I tend to follow a philosophy that's a little bit like the baby steps concept. Don't take your biggest challenge and try and solve that. Because if you don't succeed, that mindset of continued failure actually adds to the problem. Whereas if you create smaller challenges, either take your big problem and take just the very simple part of it, or actually take on something that you just haven't changed in your life, that would be actually pretty easy to do and make an adjustment. And for example, I kind of started my process of managing or quote, getting out of burnout, even though I say I can experience burnout on a daily or weekly basis because it's just my survival signal. But I did it starting with just physical health and diet, which when I was much younger was incredibly easy for me to do as a not particularly fantastic, but a decent athlete. And also, you know, when you're younger, eating and what you eat is less impactful to how it impacts your health. But I tapped into those because those were something that I could do pretty easily. And I made those adjustments first. And for three months, six months, a year, that was kind of my big focus. And then I built off of those and taking on other challenges. So any example that a person can come up with and you'd almost say, so what is it? What is something that you've been trying to improve that for whatever reason you haven't been able to make that change? And then look at a way to break that down into a simple process or step that you can take the smaller goals and achieve them. And I'm sure this is true in finances as well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then you build off of that success, right? And it's a very, very similar philosophy. I, I bet you could take any financial growth process and put it into any one of these other things. And it would be the same sort of thing. Yeah. I'm kind of nerding out over here because you're basically describing like the debt snowball or debt avalanche, depending on what we're talking about, like essentially looking at the small wins and making bigger and bigger dents in it, but just with smaller increments. Um, right. So you're actually accomplishing things and it's starting to alleviate that pressure or that stress. I, right. I think it's, I love it. And what, what I did, because I think, you know, another incredibly simple philosophy is, is sort of the philosophy of just do it. So many of these things, people have been wanting to just do it for a while. And obviously, there's other things in life that get in the way, whether it's kids, family, work, whatever, it gets in the way. So you don't just do it. So that doesn't work very well. So what I did for surgeons is I actually created through research and just developing a process, I created an eight practices of highly successful surgeons. And what I do is it's in essence, a checklist of the eight practices 
or habits that people have, like Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly successful people, that this would be something that would be more keyed into experiences that surgeons typically have. And if you're trying to get better at any one of those, then you kind of go through an eight steps or eight practices methodology to look at that one as to what may be preventing you from actually succeeding. But the overall strategy is to keep it as like that debt snowball, that if you focus on your highest interest debt, but it's a huge debt, you're going to get stuck not making much progress. But if you focus on that small debt, something that you know you can achieve in any one of those areas and you succeed at that, you build on it. And, and I have so many examples of success with this in, in fighting burnout, in creating wellness for myself and others. And the failures of making progress are usually, if not always, related to setting an unrealistic goal or that people are working on their toughest challenge and not on something that, yeah, it's a small step, but it, for whatever reason, is something that you're coming to it with your strengths first. Yeah, and, and somewhat related is I always kind of actually set myself up for failure every day. I had these to-do lists that were like an entire page long, and I do so much on it and then walk away and be like, oh, I didn't get enough done. Like, what am I doing? And now I've got basically my three big things that I work on. And I think you can extrapolate that to many things in your life. But the three things that you want to accomplish today or this week or this month or this year, you can break again. If you started at the year level, breaking it all the way down to the monthly level, if you will. But that has been a lot more rewarding to walk out of my office and being like, okay, I did my, my three things plus a whole bunch of stuff, but I got those done. Um, right. You know, chipping away at it little by little. So you mentioned the eight basically steps, you know, and as we round out here and, and finish out, you know, thank you so much for being on. How can people find all the great stuff that you're doing? Well, we have a website, surgeonmasters.com, and that's S-U-R-G-E-O-N-M-A-S-T-R-S.com. So that's simple. On there is a lot of basic information. We have educational material, podcasts like this, blogs, all kind of tapping into overarching theme of things that fight burnout, things that create wellness, in some ways, things that are not well taught in uh, medical school and training. So I'm a little bit of the, the counterpoint to what was traditional culture or traditional speaking and kind of just putting a, an appropriately balanced emphasis on all these other things, whether they be finances, which isn't well taught, whether it be wellness strategies, communication skills, and people can look at the website to also see what I think are the eight practices. They might find that interesting, and I'm open to comments and suggestions on that because to me, feedback is both positive and negative. It's constructive. So that's the key thing. And then there's opportunities. We do a lot of things that are free educational material. I also engage people in uh, physician coaching, bringing in a lot of these skills to help each individually look for ways to either prevent burnout or uh, actually manage it. And then I like the positive spin on, on most things now where I like to look at it as creating wellness rather than addressing burnout because to me that has more of the positive mindset related to it. As a glass half full guy, I really like that. I don't like the glass half full things. So I like that you're helping create wellness. 
let, let me point out one thing on that glass half full. So yeah. I'll just give you my example. So I was a glass half empty person. And I don't know when I became that. I don't think I was that way in my whole life. I think training and experiencing healthcare probably contributed to that. I'm not blaming it. It's just the experience in life, I think, of a physician. But I'm a true believer that you can train yourself to be a glass half full person. And I'm, I'm a great example of that. But it actually was incorporating the eight practices. And it was incorporating repetitive practice of positive techniques that reframe things in a positive way and kept instilling positive things in my life that started balancing things out. And I'm super optimistic about so many things. Now, am I optimistic about everything? No, but I would definitely classify myself as an optimist after doing a lot of this stuff. That's awesome. I love it. I love it so much because I am definitely glass half full. I always try to find the positives in things. And usually just in my line of work with, you mentioned uh, debt lows, my average client is 283,000, you know, and you're working through and my wife is a pediatrician or pediatric pulmonologist should say she'll kill me if I just say pediatrician, but you know, which is typically one of the lower pain fields or specialties, you know, it's hard. It's, it's tough. So I love the glass half full. I love that you're helping solve some of these equations and helping people find wellness. So thank you so much for being on the show. It was amazing to have you on. Thanks. Take care. Whoa, physician burnout is no joke. And we all know, even me, that's a topic that often gets swept under the rug. Fortunately, burnout has been gaining more media attention recently. People are finally beginning to realize how important the issue really is. With finances being the number one contributor to emotional collapses for physicians, like burnout, it only seems fitting to talk about it on the show. And Dr. Jeff Smith was a great person to help bring on and talk about the issues and put them into focus and really provide measures for emotional health. He helped describe the ways in which physicians experience burnout, such as emotional exhaustion, uh, depersonalization, a decreased sense of personal accomplishment. You go into medicine to care for people, but the balance of emotions of each patient chips away at your purpose and you really lose a sense of personal satisfaction. We talked about some other main causes of burnout, like the EMR, taking away from treating patients one-on-one and the decline of control of delivering treatment the way you know best. We talked about the character traits that make doctors more susceptible to burnout, such as being a perfectionist, the lone ranger, the superhero, and a workaholic. Ultimately, Dr. Smith shed a positive spin on burnout as well. He talks about the signals that physicians get while experiencing less favorable situations as a way to essentially reevaluate control over your wellness. And I thought that was amazing. It's literally having an awareness and self-understanding of how you're experiencing burnout so you can reassert yourself and get out of a funk that is inevitably part of the job. While encouraging physicians to implement positive actions into their daily routines, he talked about keeping things simple and establishing a balanced diet. We also talked about how the actions meant to extinguish burnout are coincidentally similar to the debt snowball or debt avalanche that we've spoke about quite a bit on the show, where small wins can help alleviate that pressure and the stress that you're experiencing from burnout. Definitely check out surgeonmasters.com. There's a ton of great information, educational material there 
And being part of a physician family, I am super appreciative of its existence. Many thanks to Dr. Smith. Not only am I grateful to have you on the show, I'm grateful that your purpose is to help other physicians live a happy and well life. I think it's pretty awesome that you decided to join me on the show. I'm eternally grateful because this podcast is all about cash flow and budgets, financial goals, investments, really all things related to money and the details making those things worth pursuing in life. While these types of topics aren't the sexiest, you're here and that's what matters most. We work hard at delivering great information in this podcast, but here's the catch. I really don't know anything about you or what your financial needs are. So please consult your attorney, your CPA, or reach out to me, a feeling financial planner, before taking any action or making decisions affecting your hard-earned money. I'm also really grateful for all of you listening. You guys and gals mean the world to me and are really my motivation to continue podcasting. Please reach out to me at ryan at financialresidency.com and let me know what you'd like to hear on the show or how the show has helped you in any way or things that you'd like to see the show improve upon. If you have a question that you'd like answered on the show, leave a voicemail at financialresidency.com slash question. Also, if you're interested in working with a fee-only financial planner that works exclusively with physicians and their families, contact me by going to physicianwealthservices.com to see if we may be a good fit to work together. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.